This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast, bringing you stories of our future stars powered by Spurs Stake Ranchers. On the 24th of February 2023, the women's pro tiers became the first South African cricket team to make it to a World Cup final. Just last week, Banyana Banyana became the first South African football team to make it to the knockout stages of a FIFA World Cup. This year, Supersport is here for her. And at Supersport Schools, we've seen girls' sports exploding on our platform. More teams, more players, and more exposure. Things are changing from the top down. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supersport Schools podcast, brought to you by Spur. My name is Alex White and I'm walking in the Adidas headquarters here in Cape Town. In today's episode, Tim and I chat with Kate Woods. She played 181 hockey tests for South Africa, went to three Olympic Games and is the senior brand director for Adidas South Africa. We chat about women's and girls' sports in this, our Women's Day special. Enjoy. What is it that you would say to people are meeting you for the first time? Kate Woods, passionate sportswoman, mother of three boys going straight to heaven. Um, love the outdoors, travel, wine, friends and family, and very proudly South African. That's what we love to hear. Proudly South African, family orientated. That's wonderful. So to dive in, we first want to hear, what's your sports history like? Where did it all begin? Because we know where you are now. Um, and obviously we're here as well, but where it began for you? What a, what a question and what a yeah. lot of story. Um, an amazing one. I, I think I was, I was born into a family um, that are sport mad. My dad was a cricketer. My mum played a lot of squash and tennis. I have three brothers um, and one of them, Benji, went on to be a professional cricketer as well. So I think throughout my whole life, I was just on the side of a sports field of some sort, probably the ball being thrown around as well amongst my brothers at one point. But yeah, so I think I was just born into a, into a sport mad world. Um, and growing up at school, I, I played all sports. I, I just loved to play. So I tried everything and played as many sports as I possibly could. Um, but I do think uh, early on, hockey captured my heart. And uh, when you're passionate about something, you you just want to do it more and more and more. And so I started um, playing at the Natal Hockey Academy. I grew up in, in Durban and uh, joined a club. And so after school, it was as as much as I possibly could do in the hockey world. And um, yeah, so I went to Durban Girls College and, and just my, my love for hockey grew and went off to Stellenbosch University after that. And... Um, that's where I met my husband today, Duncan Woods. And yeah, sport has just continued to, to follow us wherever we went. Um, but as a youngster, I think a teenager, I knew um, how desperately bad I wanted to play for my country. And um, I, I put a sign up on my cupboard that said Athens 2004. And it was this Olympic dream that I used to wake up to and see every single day. And it reminded me of my passion and of my dreams. And um yeah, I continued to do all I could and work incredibly hard um, to be the best hockey player I could be. And straight after varsity, I had some wonderful years at Stellenbosch at, at Marty's playing there and learning a lot. But after varsity, I went off to the UK and I played in the Premier League uh, for a club called Ipswich. And on my return, um, I think it was a huge growth journey for me. And, and upon my return, I, I made the national team for the first time back in 2003. I think I'm giving away my age. Um, and, and a year later, um, 
I was selected for, for the South African team on my way to the Athens Olympic Games. When we were one year old. <laughs> Don't rub each. it in. I actually, I'm not sure I was born at that stage because I was... <laughs> ah, <Tim>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Be kind. But, but I mean, you made it. And having had mm. it up on the cupboard to make it to Athens 2004, one of the, I think, one of the coolest um, torches that mm. they've had at the Olympic Games. Uh, so that's that's quite cool to make that debut. But, uh, I mean, you, you've gone and you said at the start that it was hockey that you were obsessed with. And obviously that's what you went into. Your first game playing for South Africa, representing your country, it was a dream and you'd finally made it. What was that like standing out there and representing the country for the first time? It's a feeling quite hard to describe. Um, I've been very fortunate enough to sing the anthem 181 times for my country, but I can tell you that all 181 times are just as special. Um, that first match I will never forget, we played against England in Potchefstroom and my family, we, I only found out the day before that I was, that I was selected um, and because I was there playing for the inner squad and I was in the SAA team at that stage and the night before the test I got called into the team. So my mom and my grand got in the car and drove from Durban and my brother from Joburg and they were all there watching me um, take the field for the very first time and yeah, standing alongside your teammates and singing the anthem, oh, it's honestly a feeling you, you can't quite describe and a feeling that continued throughout my 10-year career after that is, is every single time you, you, you put on the green and gold and you stand there proudly singing the anthem, it's just an absolute blessing and something I'll never forget and forever treasure. Well, it truly seems like you've lived the dream that many South Africans have looked for in their life, from hard work to the magical call-up to finally getting to stand in front and represent your country. And a call-up the day before. I mean, that's quite... <laughs> it, that is crazy. I just want to ask, what is that hard work like? Because, I mean, you know, we have some prospective athletes watching this. So what did it really take from you to get to where you were? I think you've got to really articulate what you're going after. You need to have a dream. You have to have an ambition that you're working towards. Um, I don't think you're going to get there unless you put your heart and soul and everything into making this dream come alive. Um, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not just plain sailing and it's not just, you know, sometimes they're setbacks, sometimes they're failures. Sometimes, you know, you, you've got to deal with a, a lot of, a lot of setbacks and it's about the resilience and the courage to keep going. So I think, you know, the training gets tough, it gets relentless and you've got to find it in you to just keep going if you want it badly enough. Um, the fitness is, is something, you know, injury, av avoiding and preventing and recovering from is one thing. Selection, do I make it, don't I make it? You know, there, there, there are lots of little bumps and hurdles along the way and if you want it badly enough, you've got to find that fight to keep going after it and and that's what I did. Um, it, it wasn't always plain sailing. And, you know, amateur sports in South Africa is also another another something to deal with where there isn't the support that maybe other sporting codes get. And so often you're actually paying out your own wallets uh, for the tours and you're not getting sponsors and you're still juggling studying or working or family life. You know, th there's a lot that comes with amateur sport. But I promise you, if there's a burning desire inside of you, everything is worth it. You mentioned that uh, hockey... Not, amateur, not professional, is amateur. And even 20 years ago when you made your debut, it was the same thing and it's still now like that. So going to something like the Olympics carries a lot more challenges than a team that might have a lot more funding. What do you think it takes to overcome that and how do you think it affects the team dynamic? Yeah, I think it's a, a huge, huge factor in South African 
amateur sports. It's unfortunately not just hockey that go through this. Um, but it is something we've experienced um, throughout my whole career. We were very fortunate to have big sponsors on board for periods of time, the likes of Spa and Investec. Um, but sponsors come and go, and, and what we're needing is consistency. We're needing to build structures in our programs. We're needing funding and investors to come in and, and help the team prepare and provide a platform for them to succeed. I mean, if there's ever a, an example right now of this is Banyana Banyana and what has just happened in Wellington. Um, you know, they've made history. And even though football is a professional sport in our country, it's unfortunately not for women. And so... I know from some of our players that they got together two times before this World Cup and yet look at what they have achieved. And for us, you know, preparing for an Olympic Games, a Commonwealth, a World Cup, an international series, we just didn't unfortunately have enough game time that our opposition had. And we didn't have, you know, the professional staffing and conditioning programs and the likes. Um, we all did it out of the love of our from the love of our hearts, we, we did it sometimes with our own money and, and funding tours ourselves. And so I don't think it's ever going to hold South Africans back. However, what could we achieve if we had the right support? I think that's so powerful because this year I've definitely noticed being a part of Supersport schools, we've seen how big girls sport is on the platform, specifically netball, which we've said a couple times is one of the biggest and fastest growing sports on the platform, but I think also our women's sport this year, at the start of the year, there was the Women's Cricket World Cup. And I was at the game where we beat England in the semi-final in Cape Town. It was one of the most amazing things to be a part of. I was at the final, and even though we lost, just the atmosphere, every single ball being cheered in was incredible. The game when we beat Italy, Banyana Banyana, when we beat Italy. I was actually watching it at university in a lecture. I had it going on the side. <laughs> Same. I had it going we, on the side. Uh, all our friends had like around one lecture. And it got to the 90th minute. It was two all. And I thought, oh, I've got a lecture I've got to get to. So I shut my laptop and I started walking. And then there was this group of people that just started screaming out of nowhere. Just They were sitting at a table outside, started screaming. And I was thinking, hmm... Is it a coincidence? Could it be? So I walked over and then I see we've just scored to take it to 3-2. And there's 15 minutes at a time, which was very well, 11, but it became 15. Very stressful. But I just thought this is something that a year ago, you wouldn't have thought there'd be people on a university campus watching the Women's Football World Cup. And we had sold out Cricket World Cup final here in Cape Town. The Netball World Cup's been incredible. It's an explosion that's so incredible, but still it's being played by teams that aren't professional. And an example I've got again, when we had the um, Rugby Sevens World Cup in Cape Town last year, there were only two teams in the whole tournament that weren't professional. It was the Madagascan women's team and the South African women's team. The only two in the whole thing that weren't professional. With this massive drive for women's sport that we're seeing at the moment, it surely is time that something happens. I mean, when you played to now, 20 years have elapsed and we're seeing such a big interest. Where do you see it going in the future and what do you think kind of has to happen to change something that's been the same for so long? I think it's been, women's sport has been a, a topic of global conversation for a few years now, but I think people are talking about it because they should and it's a little bit of a tick box exercise. Okay, I sponsor someone or a team. And, but I don't think people have really actually understood 
what the problem is, what needs to be done, and also the opportunity that we're sitting on. And I think if anything, you talk about from the start of this year, if anything, the last six months, if there is anyone out there not talking about women's sport right now, I think they've got their eyes closed. It has been absolutely incredible to see our female athletes dominate on a global world level. I mean, if you think of Gerda Steyn and her smashing records, Tatiana in the pool, the Paralympic swimmers in the pool, the cricketers you speak of, Banyana Banyana, the netball players, the hockey, the water polo players, they are dominating um, and they have nothing. And I, I was recently sitting around the table with a, a couple of um, South African rugby players um, and, you know, what, what we spoke of, we spoke about women's sport and what was being said is that, you know, men often, and I speak, on behalf of the professional men's sports. But often they either are playing for the paycheck or they are playing for the adrenaline, for the crowds, for the fame, you know, being loved and known. Women are playing for neither. They're not getting the paychecks. They're not necessarily getting the crowds until recently. And it is time now, more than ever, for every single industry, business, brand to put their money where their mouth is and to invest in women sportswoman and sport in our country. They deserve the opportunity to prepare better. They deserve the opportunity to be professional. They deserve the opportunity to, you know, be, set themselves up for success. I mean, I, I, the, the interview after the, the Banyana game against Italy, I don't know if you read it, Bernadetta Orsi said about the South Africans, they said she, she could not believe that this team, the performance coming out of this team was from a country that most of the professional soccer clubs don't have a women's team. There is no professional league. That, that She said, if, if we had to invest in football in our country, we could be winning the World Cup in the next 10 years. She said that South African talent can hurt the world should we decide to invest in it. I think something that also really highlights that is that we have, and I've said it before, it's a fact I like bringing up, we have 50,000 FIFA-registered football clubs in South Africa. It's the most in the world. And yet, Banyana Banyana, getting together two times before the World Cup, are the first South African team to ever make it to the knockout stages in a World Cup. I think South Africans in general are quite good at doing very well with nothing. But like you said, imagine if they didn't have nothing, if they actually had something. So that's, that's very powerful. Yeah, it's, honestly, it's, it's a topic that is very close to my heart. Um, having experienced it for, for a 10-year career and just seeing now so much, we've just got to do so much. Um, we have the most talented sportswomen in our country and we have to invest in providing them a platform. What, what we've recently done at Adidas now is um, we, we're launching a campaign and what it is is um, it's called Remember My Name. And that's exactly what it is. It's heroing and platforming incredibly successful female sportswomen showing the world their journey and for them you know, to succeed against all odds and for them to look at the camera and say, I am Colossa Biana, remember my name. I am Quinita Bobs, remember my name. I get emotional talking about it because what more do female athletes need to do to be recognized and rewarded as they deserve? This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast, brought to you by Spur. Spur back bacon is like having fillet for breakfast because back bacon has more meat and less fat. And we grill that back bacon at 350 degrees, then serve it with two large eggs. 
golden chips, grilled tomato, toast and jam. And at only $49.90 for our unreal breakfast. Why not bring the whole family? Spur. People with a taste for life. T's and C's apply. This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast. Brought to you by Spur. When I hear this story, all I can think about is the resilience of South Africa as a nation. A nation that has so much potential and continues to fight through so much adversity. And I guess all I have to ask is, if the money was in your hands, in your court, where would it go to support the grassroots that need to grow the tree that is South African sport? I'm going to take a step back and I'm, I'm going to say for, for young girls to believe that they too can have a career in sport, they have to see it. To believe it, they have to see it. And so to see the South African teams representing South Africa at the Olympic Games, at World Cups, um, this has to happen. And so, yes, there has to be funding at the top for our national teams and our elites to be competing. But it has to also be, there have to be programs right from the very beginning, grassroots level, school girls. I've heard a stat that, that girls drop out of sport at a much faster rate and, and earlier than, than boys. Why? Is it that there are no clubs, there are no programs, or is it that they just don't see other females playing sports so they give up on it? We have to show them that it is possible to have a career in sport. And I think what Supersport Schools is doing so brilliantly, it's profiling girls in sport, women's sport, and not just A teams, but also showing the depth right down to the DE teams to say that you too have a place, you too are important, and you're profiling different sporting codes, you're profiling different abilities, different teams, as I mentioned, and it shows them that there's something to work for. You know, it's providing a competitive environment at school level. Um, and what we've got to do is we've got to make sure that that's, that's the foundation that we're building, but that there are then structures to continue playing. And I think that's also important is at university level, at club level, and then at national level. Every single level requires structures and systems in place to support girls to stay and play sport. Um, and I come back to it, you know, I had a, a lot of role models and that this, the South African team went to um, some of the Olympic Games and that's what made me believe that I can play for South Africa and that I too can go to the Olympic Games. But if we don't send our teams to these competitions, it kills the dream for so many youngsters today. They need to see it to believe it. And so I wish, Tim, back to your question, I had a pot of money that I could invest at every single level. I think every single level is important. And that's why it's not going to take one company, one brand, one association to act. Absolutely every single one of us in South Africa have a job to do to support women in sport. The belief, seeing the role models, I think one example of a sport that we're seeing that in right now that has also a fairly good school-level uh, league and with super sports schools, we're seeing that as well, is netball. That game against New Zealand, even though it was a draw, it was one of the most amazing sporting moments I've seen this year. To, to be behind the entire game, the intercept at the end, and the shoot from relatively far out to nail it with literally on the final second. I've heard from people who'd never watched netball in their life but they watched that game either because someone in the household was watching it who's played netball 
or because it they were out somewhere and it was on the on the screens and they too saying that it was incredible the fans that we've seen going to the the world cup lots of girls from across cape town and across south africa are here they're watching the game they're watching it on tv it's an amazing example of what you say of having that belief and having role models 100% it has got the country talking and watching and believing i mean the talent that you see these women are powerful they are fit this level of skill the pace at which the game is being played i mean it is exciting end to end stuff on the this netball world cup has been a very proud moment for our country to host a world cup but also to see our team just do absolutely brilliantly and i know that they are role models now to so many young netball players i i friends daughters were traveling here with their school teams flying in to just come and, and watch it um and banyana banyana i think they've also just got the whole country talking right now you know some some doubters say you know women's football is not exciting enough to watch well i have not seen goals like that ever before and the excitement right to the last minute of extra time i mean it's been absolutely phenomenal so yeah i i think it has been a wonderful example of um the level of sport at the highest level i think that that argument of women's football isn't as interesting it's it's a detrimental one and one that simply doesn't hold i remember i think it was it was the advert for the French team where they had a bunch of shots go in and they had them as like Kylian Mbappe and Griezmann and they're like but this isn't the men this is actually them and it's seated in they basically they'd masked over the players with just the the guys faces and and like body shapes and things but it was still the footage of them scoring and then when they remove it at the end and show it side by side it's it's quite incredible and i've i've seen a lot of the comments on that there're literally people in the comments and comments online can always be awful but there're lots of people saying that it changed their perception just seeing that ad and for me someone who doesn't necessarily watch as much football as you i watched that whole match in a lecture which if you told me i was going to be doing that a year ago i i don't know because i wouldn't necessarily have thought we were going to get that far but then to see us play so well um, the 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 first goal we scored is one of the best goals i've ever seen so people are enjoying it netball is full whenever the proteas are playing and i think when banyana banyana come home their matches at home now that they've done so well oh, it's 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 going to start changing 100% <laughs> just on another note cuz i'm also interested in what your story was like and you touched on your first one at Athens but something that I also like to ask is what is it like traveling as a professional football player oh I didn't do this from the top cuz I stuttered my whole way through it yeah it's okay we we don't use our feet in our sport <laughs> yeah <laughs> on another note i just wanted to touch on your story because we've seen the story of so many others banyana 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 of our netball team but you are a hockey player for you were a hockey player for our nation and i want to hear what that story was like traveling with the team playing your first olympics at athens oh what a 10 year journey that i had um it's honestly incredible the opportunities that sport have afforded me um it's indescribable really and i think you know i spoke earlier about having a dream having a goal and that was always important so even when you made made it to the top 
you, you can't rest there. there. There are more goals and you've got to reset your ambitions. And, and so for me, Athens was, I was a, a bit like Bambi in the headlights, you know, arriving one year into the team and, and, and competing at the Olympic Games. Um, but then the next year, there were new goals. There was a World Cup. There was a Commonwealth Games to work towards. I wanted to work towards the starting lineup and not sitting on the bench. Um, you know, I wanted to be a, a specialist in the short corner setup. So there, there's so many things to continually work towards. Um, and I did that for the next 10 years. Every single year was a new goal. And we got to travel the world, the world with a quality bunch of people, friends, teammates, and you know, experience these worldly experiences, different cultures, um, learning how to deal with a lot of things. You know, we had to continue, continually keep ourselves um, committed, disciplined. Um, you know, we, we had to be out of our comfort zone a lot of the time, um, juggling. Uh, in my later career, I was already working. Adidas afforded me an amazing opportunity that they sponsored me, but then they said, come and work for us. And so at one point in time, I, I was had a full-time career as well as preparing for the next Olympic Games. And, and later on in life, I, I also um, I got married and I had my first son. And I still wasn't done. I still wanted to be back in the team playing. But of course, this was a serious juggling act. Um, for me, it, it wasn't an either-or conversation. I wanted to be a sportswoman and a career woman, and I wanted to have my own family. And that came with a lot of sacrifice, a lot of support, um, but it was possible. And, and honestly, the experiences of traveling with the team around the world was amazing. And, and my little son in, in my last year of playing got to travel with me. Um, the coach was amazing, Giles Bonnet and Investec, and they allowed my son and my mum or my son and my husband to travel with me to be there so it wasn't too many weeks away. Um, I bathed him in the Olympic Village. Um, he was in the stands watching me in London. And yeah, it's just, I, I, I owe everything uh, to the sporting career that I had. It was truly amazing. And I, and I often say that, all of these lessons I learned, being a part of the South African women's hockey team, have shaped me into who I am today as a career woman. Every single lesson that I've learned and I carry today was learned on the sports field. The role of being in a team, you know, understanding my role within the team, handling the setbacks, handling pressure, handling feedback, um, just winning together, losing together, focusing on what you can control, being not afraid to step out of your comfort zone, you know, when it came later on in life and we, we, just, we were approached to move overseas um, with Adidas, you know, just not being afraid to just step out of the comfort zone and, and follow dreams. Everything I have learned, I learned on the sports field. It's amazing. And there are a couple of things I want to dive into with that. Firstly, um, you mentioned up to 2012. So that's three Olympics. Correct. Three Olympics. I do things in threes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Amazing. And now that you're still able to work in sports and be involved in the way that you are and making a difference in the way that you are is incredible. So I think be, before I go on to a slightly different way of looking at it, just what you're doing now and how you're involved in sport, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, my job is honestly a, a dream come true. I work for a company that believes sport has the power to change lives and that it does. And um, it's afforded me the opportunity to travel the world. As mentioned, um, Adidas is a global company and we moved our family of five to Dubai for a year and a half and then we moved on to the Adidas headquarters in Germany. Um, and I think this, this was just eye-opening and incredible opportunity to work for a global brand at the headquarters. Um, and then in 2019, uh, Home was calling and uh, we wanted to, our boys to, to grow up on, on understanding their roots 
and and the the South African lifestyle. And so we moved back home, and and I brought back with that with me all of the knowledge and experiences I'd gained abroad. Um, and I'm now leading the the brand department today for Adidas South Africa and a couple of other African countries. Um, it really is a dream come true. Our job is to enable and inspire young athletes to shape and lead sports culture, to work and invest in foundations that are truly changing lives through sport. It's, it's an absolute dream come true. So we've heard a lot about the challenges you faced and what it's brought to you. And if you were to sell the importance of sport to women, young girls, what would you say is the true impact that it has had on your life? I mean, besides the obvious physical advantages, um, being healthy and fit and moving your body, I think there's such a psychological gain as well, just in terms of self-confidence, self-worth, being part of a team, being part of a community where you belong, having a safe environment. I think that there's so many advantages um, for girls to be involved in sport of, of some sort. But then also for me, what sport has afforded me after sport has been game-changing. I honestly... I, the corporate worlds can be quite male-dominated. And I walk into a boardroom today full of men with my head held high, with a strong voice at the table, knowing what I'm capable of, knowing my worth. And I think that sport and the competitions I played and the travel that I, that I went on, and I think that has just given me the self-confidence today to know that I too have a place around this table that I too can one day be a director and a CEO and a GM of a company. Why not? I am just as worthy. I'm just as capable. I have confidence in myself because of my sporting ability. It, it almost has provided a platform for me um, to go forward into my professional career, to continue dreaming and, and being ambitious. It didn't stop on the sports field. I have huge ambitions now in, in, the, in the career world. And I think, I think that's what sport can afford young girls. It's just to, to build that self-confidence and self-worth and to help them believe and see that they have a place in the corporate world as well. This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast, brought to you by Spur. Spur back bacon is like having fillet for breakfast. Because back bacon has more meat and less fat. And we grill that back bacon at 350 degrees. Then serve it with two large eggs, golden chips, grilled tomato, toast and jam. And at only $49.90 for our unreal breakfast. Why not bring the whole family? Spur, people with a taste for life. T's and C's apply. This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast, brought to you by Spur. And you touched on one of those foundations before, but I also wanted to hear, because again, to many people, they may see sports brands as just these things that are money-making just to get their product out there, but they really do impact the communities in which they find themselves in. I mean, you find yourself here in Cape Town, vast wealth divide, but also a place with a lot of potential. And I just wanted to hear what other initiatives you guys hold to, you know, move the community. So what's important for me, um, not only in communities, but also the topic of women in sport, um, what we're really trying to do is make sure that we provide equal opportunity. So when we look at who we invest in, be it in, in individuals and teams and communities, we want to make sure it's, it's equal. And so challenging my team to, to make sure that when we sign an athlete, we're signing men and women in equal measure. And it's not just the quantity, it's also in the value that we reward them with, be it in retainers and bonuses. We want to make sure that we're investing in women as just as equal as we are in men. 
And then it's not just about the top, it's about those grassroots and those foundations. And it's about the people that actually don't have access to sport. How do we provide access? And how do we then enable it through kit and product? Um, and so we work very closely with two foundations, um, the Kulisi Foundation, uh, with the Kulisi family that we, we're very close to. Um, Sia and Rachel have started um, what's called the Sia Pakama Schools Program um, in the, the Eastern Cape in Zwidi, where he's from. And we are enabling and starting a sports program in the area so that young girls and young boys have access to sport. We also work very closely with the Mandla. And they have about eight safe hubs around the country. And the same thing there. Um, we provide access to sport and we equip the coaches and and the youngsters. So we're just trying to make sport a, a, a big part of their lives, which is obviously a vehicle to teach them life lessons, but it's also a safe space for them to not be out on the streets in the afternoons, but rather be playing sport together and hopefully, you know, enabling them to break the system and, and get out and maybe sport can provide them with more opportunities. And one of the ways I think we're seeing the system being broken a bit is with this introduction of super sport schools over the past couple of years, where people from all across the country are getting exposure that they might not have got before. Scouts don't have to go to matches they otherwise might have. And even coaches don't have to be told about a player. They can actually see a player online. What sort of impact do you think Supersport Schools is happening uh, is having, and particularly on girls' sports at the moment? It's revolutionary, honestly. It's absolutely incredible to have all this live school sport action at your fingertips. Um it, it, uh, for me, it is, it is going to change South African sport in the future. Like you said, it's, it's a scouting opportunity, um, but also for the players themselves to watch themselves. I know that I benefited very much from video analysis. You know, when I look at myself and I'm not marking my player and she leads behind me and she scores, the video doesn't lie. So when I see it, I'm then able to understand what I did wrong, what I need to watch out for, and then I correct it. And I'm, it, it helps me be a stronger player. So I think for the, for the youngsters, seeing themselves and understanding what they should do um, more of or differently is, is hugely advantageous. For, for coaches to also understand the game, to learn from other better schools, teams, um, it's just increasing the level of sport in our country. And I think this is where, really where you see the raw talent of South African sportsmen and women come through. And surely this is going to attract more sponsors, more investments in the future because you see the talent that exists. And, and I, I hope that everyone is watching super sports schools and this is the next generation of talent that's going to come and feed through our systems and our national teams. So it's, it's, it's an absolutely incredible program. We're very proud to be a part of um, Supersport Schools at Adidas and, and the investment will come. Honestly, there's so much opportunity here. Well, we are at Adidas and Adidas, as I say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm a bit of a, I'm a sport nut, but one thing I've always found myself is I'm an equipment nut. I just, sports equipment always interested me. Whenever there's a new pair of rugby boots or basketball boots out, I, I had to know what equipment had they put in. Have they put in a carbon fiber plate now? Have they reshaped how they've had the ankle support? It's something that I've always found interesting. Yeah, so I bumped into a story that in the 2022 Euros, the, the Lionesses, they owed what they had done to their special biomechanist who had created specialized bras for them. And it just got me interested on what equipment can do. And I just want to hear if Adidas is doing other things, you know, for women to give equipment to get the best out of them. And, and girls in sport as well. 
Absolutely. Huge focus for us. Um, you know, it's not just about creating a garment and we joke around shrinking and pinking it. It's absolutely not about that. We invest millions of euros into innovation and technology um, and we are able to map the body and perfectly design gear that is working you know, with your body movements and, uh, and allowing you to perform at your very best, be it apparel and footwear. Um, so women need different things. We have different bodies um, and different support levels are required. And so I think footwear is, is a big thing. You know, is it designed for a female's foot and the way a female runs and trains and moves her body? I, th- I think it's, it's critical to look at that. And then from an apparel point of view, um, even just normal apparel, shorts, shirts, vests, whatever they're wearing to compete in, it has to be comfortable. It has to, be, has to perform optimally for her. Um, but definitely sports bras has been a big focus, I think, for all brands across the world. But certainly at Adidas, it's been a, a huge topic for us. We have 60 different types of sports bras, um, which just shows you that we understand that every body type is different and every sport requires a different need. Um, and so we've really made sure to focus on on providing the very best for her and offering 60 different types. There's bound to be one there that is, is suited for you. And now in our stores as well, we make sure that our staff are equipped to be uh, to bra fitters so they can measure and, and prescribe the right bra for you, for your sporting type and for your body type. So, yeah, big, big investment um, fr- from us into into sports gear for her, um, for everyone, but but definitely for her. And I And I think it's been... There's been such a deficit for so many years of innovating in, in women's sports product that now brands are having to accelerate um, and catch up. Uh, but very glad to say that that we have, and, and it's a huge part and huge focus of our brand. And do you think earlier when you were talking about how the drop-off rate of sport for girls is much higher than boys, particularly as they get older, obviously representation makes a big difference, and we've spoken about that, but do you think also the kits and feeling comfortable I would imagine, makes a big difference as well. Huge part. Huge part of it. I mean, we go into to areas where we just we see young girls playing netball on hard courts with no shoes. A sports bra is, is not known to a huge community of, of girls, so then it's not comfortable to play. And then we talk about another thing, which is period poverty. There are a huge amount of communities and schools that young girls don't have access to sanitary wear. And so, unfortunately... They drop out of sport. They're missing school. I've heard about a term a year is sometimes girls are missing a term a year of sport and school because of their periods. So also part of our um, initiative with Amandla um, at the Safe Abs is we've partnered with a company called Blossom Care and we're building manufacturing plants that manufacture sanitary wear, recyclable sanitary wear, and we're trying to provide and provide access to girls to have that so that it doesn't stop and prevent them from, from playing sport. I think what comes across so clearly there and from what you mentioned earlier about that girls do have different bodies is that sometimes people don't think about those differences and don't think that actually there's a lot there that can hold people back. And you mentioned, and this isn't necessarily exclusive to women's sports, it's exclusive to sports that aren't professional, that you have to have a job. You can't just do the sport full-time because there isn't the money in it. So that's one thing where you have to balance a job and you have to balance the sport, firstly. Um, but then also, you started a family while still playing. And I think that's something that we we do hear about it happening 
but it makes the news when it happens, especially at the international level. So it would be great to hear that story and and what that was like, because you still played in the 2012 Olympics and it was right around that time. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I think so many young women think that they have to choose. It's either sport or it's a professional career or it's a professional career or a family, but never both. And it is possible. But it also, as a, as a, as a woman, it's a tougher journey. And I think that's why, you know, when a woman does have when she has kids and maybe a job and playing sport, it, it's spoken of because it's, it's rare. Whereas I think most of our national sportsmen probably have families as well, but it's not spoken of, you know, because that's the woman's role. And I think it's breaking stereotypes and, and pioneering new ground, but it, it is all possible. Um, it, it was tough, I must say. It was tough um, to juggle all three, but it was possible with the right support structures and the right people around that recognize that and, and help to make it happen. So, yeah, I mentioned um, I fell pregnant and so obviously took a pause, but I didn't retire. I just, I took a pause and about four months after having Sammy, I went back into the gym and I was horrified at the sight of myself, really unfit four months after having a baby. And I, and I, that didn't bother me, but I just realized I, I could see this like fire in my eyes and, and my belly was going and I just knew that I had this burning desire to still play. I, I realized I wasn't done. I had more to give on the field. And so I thought, well, let me just think about this for a little bit longer. And a month or two later, Giles called me and he said, we want you back in the team. And I was like, I'm not sure this is possible, Giles. I'm working and I have a young son. How is this possible? We're a year out from the Olympic Games. And he said, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to make it happen. And so what we did is we focused on quality over quantity. Um, I wasn't able to travel as much as the team. But I had a personal trainer, John O'Menkes was my trainer, and he, and he looked after me four times a week I was with him. So he took care of all of my fitness and, and conditioning needs to make sure I was as fit as ever. I actually was the fittest I'd ever been at the London 2012 Games. Um, and it was sheer quality over quantity. I played every single minute of that tournament, barring five, because I got a yellow card. <laughs> but um, but it, was, it was truly remarkable to look back. That year was, was crazy for me. I mean, I used to wake up really early in the morning to get some fitness in, come home, see my son, get off to work, leave work a little bit earlier to get onto the turf. It was just managing um, what I needed to um, and focusing on, on the quality, as I mentioned. And looking back now, it was like this 12-month period of my life that I think I will forever be proud of. And it's a time that I, I always go back and remind myself what I'm truly capable of. And when I doubt myself and think it's not possible, I remember that time. And it gives me strength. It gives me confidence to know that I can do it. I, I, I've been capable before of so much. And, yeah, it gives me confidence. Um, and I hope it also sets an example to other young women to come that it is all possible to have a family and to still play and to, to manage a career. Um, not easy, as I said, but possible. And, yeah, I, I think today with the focus and emphasis on women in sport, I think new ground is being broken to make it possible for her. And I, and I hope that will continue. And we've spoken about how you're involved in sport now through Adidas and making such an incredible difference. But are you still staying active and involved? Do you still play? I do. When uh, we lived in Germany, I thought, well, I must, I must pick up dust off the, the boots and, and pick up the stick again and play because obviously it's such a big hockey playing nation. And so I joined a, a team in Germany, um, in the Bund, in, not in the Bundesliga, in our Bavaria League. And um, 
I was, I think, double the age of any other of the other girls in the team. Um, I was the, the, the granny in the team, but it was so wonderful to play competitively again. All the team talks and video analysis were in German. I couldn't understand a word. I just said to the coach, just draw an arrow which direction we're playing so I could see if we were attacking or defending. Um, but that kind of like brought back the passion again, and, and I loved it. And then when we moved back here, unfortunately, it, it was COVID. So a year or two later, um, when, when COVID passed by and, and leagues started again and training, I joined my old club. Um, and I, I, I'm playing Masters now, uh, Western Province Masters. And uh, we have a World Cup next year coming to Cape Town. It's the World Cup for my age group in Masters. So I hope to be back. Unfortunately, at the start of this year, I was I was playing my first match and um, I snapped my Achilles, which is not a oh. nice injury. Um, I, I think it's better to break a bone and then, than do that. But but when I'm ready, I'll be back on that pitch for sure. Ow. Ow. <laughs> yeah, no, the worst I've ever gotten is like a sprain. And even that I complained through. I can't imagine what it's like to check. Just gone. <sighs> but... And it's as they say, you know, that the gun goes off. That's is exactly it? what it is. I was playing at the back and, and I just heard this loud pop and I looked at my right off. I said, did you just hit me? <laughs> I didn't know what that sound was or what had just happened. Um, and then, it's, then you felt it. Mm, I Ooh. did. I did. And it's a long, it's a long injury. Nine months or so. This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast. Brought to you by Spur. Spur back bacon is like having fillet for breakfast. Because back bacon has more meat and less fat. And we grill that back bacon at 350 degrees. Then serve it with two large eggs, golden chips, grilled tomato, toast and jam. And at only $49.90 for our unreal breakfast. Why not bring the whole family? Spur. People with a taste for life. T's and C's apply. This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast. Brought to you by Spur. I do remember actually watching some Masters hockey. At the, I was cycling to the courts at Western Province Cricket Club. And I th- it was Masters. I, d- I don't know what it was. But I, was, I remember sitting down to an old man and I was like, well, what's going on here? like, oh yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a Masters hockey game. And even there, you just see the passion of these people just swinging the ball throughout and playing with a smile on their face. It really brings light to how close and loving that hockey community that you guys have is. It's incredible to see that it's a sport that obviously will be forever in their hearts. Not just hockey, many sporting codes, but to see the 70, 80-year-olds still out there playing, it's Amazing. incredible. Uh, you, you would struggle to be 70 or 80 and playing rugby, so I think that is something that's true. Yeah, I, I've, I <laughs> not think necessarily I'm, all sports. Yeah, I that. think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to maximize my years now <laughs> so that you know, once, once my hip goes, then I'm done. But one thing I did actually want to touch on is you have traveled you have played, you've played in leagues overseas and I know hockey in Europe is big. I mean, at our school, every four years they had a, a trip to the Netherlands and they would play clubs there. What is it like playing hockey overseas? Is there, is there a difference in the style, the culture? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think what's amazing is um, it, it doesn't have to be at an international, national level. It, even the club structures, they are so strong. So when you're playing leagues in Europe, you, you've got a tough match every single weekend. So that also just raises the level of your game so much. Um, I think what I love the most about traveling to playing in Buenos Aires, Argentina, or in New Delhi in India, or even in Amsterdam and Holland, I mean, the crowds that come out to support, this is what we don't get here. Um, and so it was really, really amazing. I mean, we had to be escorted to the field, all the young fans waiting for your signatures, 
crowds full in the stands and, and cheering and shouting. That was special. Of course, you get it at the World Cups and Olympic Games, but just for an international series, you know, hockey is religion there. It's like, it's like rugby or football for us here. So that, that was amazing to experience um, playing abroad. Obviously, we've come full circle. We've spoken about how you started and what you're doing now and what we want to see in the game going forward for girls and women. But I think to end off specifically with the school sport for girls, where would you like to see it go? And what would you like to see change? And as super sports schools, what do you think we could be doing better? I think you're doing an amazing job as is. And I think I would encourage you to keep flighting um, girls' sports um, from all different sporting codes, all different locations and schools and levels. It's important to see it all um, because, as I mentioned, that gets girls believing. They want to be part of that, and so they will continue to play and strive to make the teams, to be on TV, to, to play in this competitive sporting landscape. Um, but it can't stop there. So what is then Supersport or, or other channels going to do to continue what Supersport Schools is starting? Um, so let's make sure that it doesn't stop at school level. How can women's sport at varsity club level, national level, continue on TV to get the viewership, to get the fans, to get the investors um, it, it's really, really important to to profile and spotlight women's sport at all ages and levels. And I think what you are starting is, is is really starting the fire, and long may that continue. So thank you for all that you guys are doing. It is truly incredible. And I want to finish by saying, you know, again, if we want to ask young girls to dream about a career in sport, they have to see it. They have to see it to believe it, and, and that's what you're doing. To end off the Supersport Schools podcast, and this has been an incredible one. It's our Women's Day special, and I think we've spoken about so much that's so powerful, and I can't wait to see how our sport goes for the rest of the year in all these different tournaments. It's been an amazing year. So we thought today's quiz is going to be along that theme of girls and women's sports, so we're going to put you to the test. How this quiz works is that you get 60 seconds on the clock, and you can answer... Uh, you can say pass, and basically you just need to answer as many questions correctly as you can. Currently, the leader on the leaderboard is Tahir Augusti. And, brilliant hockey player. Yep. Yeah, uh, and brilliant at the quiz. She washed me out on that day. <laughs> so, Why are you surprised? <laughs> yeah, I should have taken it. No. She, she got a, what, high 13 points? She got 13 points, um, which is four higher than the next person. And the next wow. person is... Mark Jury, who's the former CEO of Supersports and now CEO of MultiChoice in South Africa. And then Coach Cooks from Supersports Schools. He's also had nine. Tim's got nine before. I had a... Oh, I'm not sure I've actually got a nine. Uh, we checked. We checked? We checked. Oh, yes! You have got nine before. Ooh, that leaderboard is looking good now. And I've also got nine. So that seems to be the people in the know. No we pressure. We can only get that high. So Tahira with, with 13. But we've got special quiz for you today. Tahira's one was all about hockey. This isn't all about hockey. There are some hockey questions, but you won't be going up against him. You'll just be fighting against the leaderboard. Um, so, Kate, to end it all off, are you ready to play? Let's go. Kate Woods, are you ready? Ready. Supersport Schools podcast quiz. Your time starts now. How many singles Grand Slams has Serena Williams won? 18. 23. Who's the current ladies record holder for both the up and down Comrades Marathon? Fedestine. Correct. Who's the current captain of Banyana Banyana? Machaya. 
It's Rafaela Jane. Which school hosts the top 12 under 18 girls hockey each year? St. Mary's. Oranya. Which current Durban <laughs> girls college players represented South Africa under 18 hockey in 2023? Us. And that's my school. How I'm many sorry. sections is a netball court divided into? Three. Correct. True or false? Netball is played at the Olympics. False. Correct. True or false? Supersport Schools has streamed sheep shearing. True. It's correct. Who won the 2023 St. Mary's Hockey Festival? I'm so sorry. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. I got so excited and I lost my headset. Who won the 2023 St. Mary's Hockey Festival? Gem Girls College. Unisi. Who, uh, how many players from each team are allowed inside the shooting circle in netball? Two. Correct. In football, who's the highest international women's goal scorer? Christine Sinclair. Correct. Who holds the South African women's 800 meter record? Pass. Costa Semenya. Which South African ref was an assistant? Time's up. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. This episode uh, obviously is a very special one. It's longer than our normal episodes. And I think we've gone through so much that's so amazing. And to hear what your journey's been like and what Adidas is doing, and just the passion, the hope, and the excitement you have for girls and women's sports. It's inspirational, and just thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Tim. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Supersport Schools podcast, our special episode for Women's Day and Women's Month. If you want to get in contact with us, let us know what you thought of the episode. Find Supersport Schools wherever it is that you're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. You can find us. And remember, there's a new episode of the Supersport Schools podcast every Wednesday at 7, right here on DSTV channel 216, online on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. This has been the Super Sports Schools Podcast, bringing you stories of our future stars, powered by Spurs Day Crunchers. And now the podcast from Joy of